reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. It's on page 1139 in the Pew Bibles. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You might like to keep that open. We're going to be referring to that as we go through our talk this morning. Question for you this morning, how fit are you? It's all right, I'm not going to test you out by getting you to run laps of the building or anything like that. Uh, The children have been doing very good at that this morning, and I'm sure you probably won't be able to keep up with them, they're going very fast. How fit are you? The the Welsh Government have just allowed parkrun to begin uh, here in Wales. Yesterday was the first Aberystwyth parkrun of the year, which I enjoy doing. I found it tough going after more than a month off. If I were to ask you, how fit are you spiritually? How would you answer? Through this year, we're doing a series on discipleship, thinking seriously about our walk as disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, Last week, we started a mini-series as we look at holiness, and we thought about what holiness was and realised that holiness is not an optional extra in our lives, but is something that needs to be integral to our walk with Christ. Uh, We looked at the whole idea of holiness Um, and where it comes from as a a concept, the idea of separation and difference. Um, Someone I I liked, as I did research for last week's thing, I discovered someone defined holiness as perfection with a God flavour, which I I like the description as as we think about uh, holiness. It's that idea it can be completely perfect, but with a God flavour. We move on today and, and look at application of this idea of holiness. And we're going to be doing this over the next few weeks in different areas of our lives. And today's topic is holiness in body. As I researched this topic and did some reading, I found it to be very, very challenging. And I was really challenged about how my life looks and some of the teaching 
that came out of, of this passage. Uh, common prayer, isn't it? We, we hear it's a bit of a cliche. It's Lord, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And sometimes I think we're just too comfortable. We crave comfort and ease and we're naturally lazy and maybe we don't take these sort of things seriously about holiness and purity in our lives. So as we begin this passage, let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the teaching in it which leads to life. And we pray as we unpack this passage, you will speak to us. Help us to have a message from you, from your spirit. That means that we are challenged and we move on in our discipleship of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I thought I'd begin with some good news, because I want to put into perspective, this is a tough topic, so I warn you there's some tough things coming as we think through this, but I wanted to start in a, in a good way, and I wanted to put things into perspective maybe where we're going, if you think, Mark, that was all a bit negative and too challenging. Um, we're going to be thinking about a holy stomach, holy head, holy legs, holy hands, as we examine this thing. And it's not going to be easy, so I want to put things in, in perspective, if you like, to say that at the beginning there is nothing wrong with nice things, with holidays and nice food and comfort and enjoyment and fun and parties and feasts. Nothing wrong with pleasure and joy and owning possessions, having a rest, taking a nap, uh, taking some rest in your life. So don't mishear what I'm going to say as we look at these things. These are all good things and they're to be enjoyed as gifts from God. And they're good when they're servants rather than masters. When things are blessings enjoyed as gifts from God and not become the focus of our attention and our life's aim. Because our reading today begin, began with a very challenging word, didn't it? I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's a strange phrase, isn't it? When we think about that, a living sacrifice. It's one of those oxymorons that combine opposite ideas. Uh, pretty ugly, or liquid gas, or an irregular pattern. And the idea of being a living sacrifice is, a, is an unusual concept. A sacrifice was, was killed. How can it be a living sacrifice? And Paul referred to sacrifices. This would be familiar to his readers. They knew about worship in the temple and the animals that were killed as sacrifices that gave everything. That picture of sacrifice comes from the worship in the Old Testament where priests would kill bulls and goats and offer them before the Lord. Years ago, um, evangelists would give what was known as an altar call. Um, and that's a strange phrase. When you think about it, they would ask, people like Billy Graham would ask, come out of your seats and come down and commit your life to Christ. It was known as an altar call. We give people a chance to come to an altar, a place of death and sacrifice. And why? Because we come, get them to bid to come and die to themselves, to put the old ways behind and live a new life for Christ, a complete transformation. And this is a little bit of what Paul is referring to here. God has shown his mercy and grace, says Paul, and in response we give ourselves, give ourselves completely to him, wholly and completely in everything 
that is in us. We put to death our earthly desires and give ourselves over to God and his will for our lives. And today we think about bodies as a part of this, our, our bodies, what we have here. Have we dedicated our bodies fully to God? And the Bible talks about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God lives and dwells. Are our bodies dedicated to God? Oh, have we given it all over? Are we masters of our bodily cravings and desires? Or do we just allow ourselves to go with whatever we feel? If our bodies are dedicated to God, to serving him with all our strength, if he is Lord, then, then a lot of things imply out of that. It means we have a duty to try and stay healthy. To place serving God above our own desires feelings, cravings. So let's just look at just four areas of the body and, and things that, that flow out of that. Head, hands, stomach and legs, all representing different parts of our Christian life, if you like. Start with the head, because verse 2 carries on from, from verse 1, obviously, uh, in our reading today. Uh, talking about living sacrifices, verse 2 says, then do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It begins here. This is how, this is how uh, Paul unpacks this here. Living sacrifice, where do we begin? We begin in the mind. Have we allowed God to do his transforming work in our minds? That's a challenging thought, is it? Paul writing to the Corinthians uh, talked about making captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. When we stop and think, how pure are our thoughts? What do we think about? What do we daydream about? What do we meditate on? What do we dwell, dwell on in our minds? How holy are our thoughts? We need to give over our minds to God and, our, and let him transform the way that we think. And we can think too about things that stop us thinking straight, that take on importance in our lives, things we might do which might dull our spiritual appetite, things might become idols and things that we might start to rely on too much. We can think and challenge ourselves this morning about the use or abuse of alcohol Caffeine, drugs, tobacco, medicines, even simple things like sugar. that just gives you that feeling of being good. Stuff that stops us maybe thinking well. Things that can take over. Things that can become controlling, create dependency. Our actions, all that we do, begin as thoughts. And we need to make sure we are right in the head. We need to allow God's Holy Spirit to transform our minds, as it says here in verse 2. To learn to control our thoughts, to learn to resist temptation, at planning to avoid sin, at being proactive in guarding our walk with Christ. Sometimes we persuade ourselves that a bit of sin won't matter that much. We deserve a bit of fun, something nice. I'm talking uh, about this passage with Joanne, we remembered those old adverts uh, for fresh cream cakes. Do you remember them back in the in 1980s and 90s? Naughty but nice, with, with that message, go on, indulge 
It is naughty, but hey, you deserve it. Go for something nice. And how often do we think like that? But we need to learn to be different people. We need to turn away from this to, be, to make a stand. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't think like everybody else does. Don't fall for the traps of all those advertising around you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A holy mind. Starts with a head as we think about our body being holy. So it starts with a head, but that leads, as I've said, thoughts lead to actions. Our hands. What do we do with our hands? How do we live? Live out our Christian faith. When you think about hands, I know that many of us, and me included, we're terribly grasping, aren't we? We want, we want things. We're, we're naturally greedy. We want money. We want gadgets. We want things. Things that we think will make us happy. Things often that will make our life easier. And we become materialistic, grasping for things. And we, we're impatient. We want them now. We, we reach for our phone and we order the latest thing and we want it now. Uh, delivery times have got shorter and shorter because of people demanding things now. So it wasn't enough to get it in a week. You have to get it next day. It's not enough to get it next day. You have to get it same day delivery. That's not fast enough. We need to get things within the hour. People want, want, want. We grasp all of these things. This is what's going on. Christians, we need to have our eyes fixed on what is eternal, not what is temporary hands it challenges because there's nothing wrong as I said there's nothing wrong with things per se there's nothing wrong with owning a mobile phone or wanting a pretty ornament or owning some good stuff but if that becomes a driving force in your life if that's the reason you go to work if that's the reason you live if that's where your focus and your mind and your thoughts and your energy is then it's distracting us from our real purpose of serving God with all that we are, with all of our energy, with all of our strength. We need sometimes to stop to think through this and to fight against greed, to learn not to grasp with our hands but to give away, to live lightly in this world, to give to others, to change focus from ourselves and stuff that we want and lift our eyes up to God. And I was challenged as I, as, I, as I wrote this and prepared this because this is a sermon to me. So you don't need to listen if you don't want to. This is just reminding me. Because I love stuff. I love gadgets. Um, I love it when things work. Um, and I can tell how much things mean to me and that I'm too dependent on them by my attitude when things go wrong. When my computer crashes, when the washing machine starts making horrible noises, when the dishwasher's broken or when there's a scratch on my car, then it gets to me. It really gets to me more than it probably should. I need to learn to see this in the light of eternity and the, the light of all that God has done for me. Last year as a church, we went through the book of Acts, didn't we? And that was fascinating to see the early church and where their focus was. And you don't find them there worrying about their things. It doesn't say they were worried that they'd lost something, that something had broken or they didn't own something. It's not that there, is it? That's not where they had their focus they had the focus right on serving their God, whatever it cost them in terms of comfort and life, and they were ready to do it all. So, a holy head, holy hands, a holy stomach is next. 
And this is challenging when I had to stop and think about what's my relationship with food. It was quite humorous in a way, really. I'd been working yesterday um, at my desk and I have a standing up desk and it makes me tired after a while answering emails and standing there and writing stuff like that. So I thought, now is time to sort of put the, this sermon into, into action and to start to sit down and, and work out where we're going with this sermon. So I thought, right, I'll sit down in a nice comfy armchair. I'll get a cup of tea. And I went to get two, yes, two biscuits. Joanna had been baking and made some lovely biscuits. I got two homemade biscuits. And then I pulled out the first study book and the notes for this sermon. And it was all about comfort eating. And about how we follow the cravings of our body and make ourselves too comfortable and treat ourselves too much rather than putting, too f- putting God first. And immediately I felt guilty, guilty. It was too late. I'd already eaten the biscuits by this stage. So that, that was okay in that sense. But there it was speaking to me because for many of us and definitely for me as I as I found out yesterday we don't practice holding back if we want something we go and get it if we want a snack we just go and get one and we don't even think about what's good for our body either packet of crisps will do we don't think about the impact on our body or just go for it we've given up that idea of restraint of saying no to our feelings and what we feel like. The church calendar used to be fairly strict. You would have times of feasting and great celebrations and joy and and meals and food and and partying at Christmas and Easter. But it would have times of fasting to prepare. Times of restraint, Lent and Advent. Times of saying no. Times of having that discipline installed time at working at controlling the cravings of our natural bodies we don't do that anymore do we by and large in our church here and in the church Christians in the west our relationship with food has got difficult many of us struggle with eating disorders or an unhealthy attitude towards food our physical bodies and natural appetites are created by God they're not sinful but If left uncontrolled, we find our bodies and urges take over. We pamper and indulge ourselves. And if we give in to to our bodies, we find it easier often to give in to other urges and temptations when they come our way too. We haven't learnt that discipline. So once more we ask food, master or servant. Do we have that holy stomach? I realise that by talking about food, you're all thinking about your Sunday lunch already and feeling hungry, you see. So, but, and I'm not saying go home and put your Sunday lunch in the bin and fast for the rest of the day. But just think about your attitude and how we stand in this and how, who's in charge in your life and how do we give in to things maybe a little bit more often than we should. So holy head, the things we think about. Holy hands. That idea of getting rid of materialism and learning to give away, not collect things in. Holy stomach and all of the cravings of our body and, uh, and the comfort and the food and the, and the stuff we go for to make ourselves feel better. Finally then, legs. Let's think about your legs. Because if, if greed is one of the big things well, that we struggle with, and certainly me, then I guess for me definitely laziness is another one. Actually doing stuff. And this was really challenging as I read this. 
being a living sacrifice, giving your all. It's about making an effort. And that's something we don't like in our modern world, do we? We have all of these labour-saving devices and stuff. But the Christian life calls for effort, calls for work, calls for getting up off the sofa and doing stuff. Paul, when he was describing the Christian faith, didn't sort of say it was going to be easy. He described it as running a race. And that's hard work. If you go running, it's tough. Every time I do park run, I set off well. And I, I'm, I'm running the first mile or so okay. And then I get a little voice in my head that says, just walk a while now. You've done, you've done enough running. It's time to, to take a breather. You can slow down now just to stop and, and walk a little bit. And you know what? I give in to that, and I do. <laughs> I don't know what? I just stop and have a little breather, have a walk, and, and take it easy for a while. I give in to it. It's too much effort to keep running. How much effort are you willing to put in to your discipleship? As we challenge ourselves on holiness and, and discipleship, how much effort are you willing to put in? Are you willing to get up? To get up and serve? To get up early to pray, spend time with God? To give your time, to give your energy to doing something? When I help out in this church, there's a, there's a list of things in, in our note sheet this week, isn't there, of things you can do. And I mentioned at the beginning about helping with tea and coffee rota, but there's so much we can do. Are we willing to get up and to serve and to put that effort in? Because it's not easy. The time of COVID has brought lots of challenges for, for church. Uh, it's been lovely to learn new things and do new things and learn to do church in a different sort of way. But we've seen dangers too. Uh, online church has been great for those people that can't make it to come into our buildings, to reach out to new people. But it has become a danger in our whole country that church becomes an experience to be consumed. Another TV programme to entertain rather than a community which requires input and work from its members. We're called to serve, which requires effort but naturally we crave comfort we crave an easy life to do to do nothing when i was young there was an old chorus we learned in sunday school come along and say yes join the gospel express and it gave the idea that that becoming christian was like buying a train ticket and you got on the train and the train took you to heaven and that was sort of the idea of that and i think that's how we sometimes view our christian life isn't it that we we get a ticket and we sit there on on some sort of public transport and we get taken to heaven and that's one way of thinking it paul doesn't write about that does he? he writes about the race that we have to run the, the effort that we need to put in. But it doesn't come naturally to us. Well, it certainly doesn't come naturally to me. My nat- nat- natural tendency to do nothing, to sit back, to stay on my sofa. But that's not what we're called to do. The second part of that passage in Romans, have you read that bit where we were listening, when we went through? It talks about the gifts that we all have. And for each gift, Paul says, do it. If this is your gift, don't sit back and go, oh, that's really nice, I've got that gift. No, if this is your gift, do it. If this is your gift, use it. If you've been called to do this, then do it. Do something about it. It's about action. 
We need to, our minds renewed, but we need to get up and work. We need to serve God where he calls us, to get involved in what God is doing and be a part of it. To, get, to banish laziness and trying to get by with the minimum we can possibly do, which is our, which is our nature in life, isn't it? And when I was a teacher in school, I would set the, my class uh, a topic to write about and say, can you, can you write about your summer holiday and, and write a story about this? And the first question that the children would always ask is, sir, sir, how long has it got to be? How much do I have to write? Because they wanted to know, well, if I, and if I said a page, then they could just write away quickly, get a page, done it, sir, can I go out and play now? And they, they wanted to know what was the minimum it could be. But it's not just children. Uh, when I went off to train to be a vicar in vicar school, on the very first day I was there, we were told, write a reflection, a theological reflection about your transition to come to train to be a vicar. Any questions? First question, how long does it have to be, said somebody. Uh, I won't say who. Uh, how long does it have to be? Because we're all like that. We want to know what's the minimum we can get away with. We're lazy. We're called to work. It's going to be an effort. It's a run. Are we willing to make that effort? So as I said earlier, I found this whole topic very challenging as we think about dedicating ourselves as living sacrifices, everything that we are, to serving God But some good news. We don't do it alone. It would be tough to do this on your own. Um, I mentioned earlier that I I like doing park run. Every Saturday you'll find me doing Aberystwyth's park run. But when there isn't a park run, uh, on the day there isn't a park run, or when park run has been cancelled, I don't run. Do you know why? I can't. I can't motivate myself to do it. Um, I think, shall I go out for a run today? No, I can't be bothered. I'll stay in and watch TV. Uh, no, I'll just stay. It's really hard, isn't it, to motivate yourself. Why can I do park run? Because there are other people running with me. And that makes all the difference. I can turn up, see my friends, and as I run, there are other people running with me. And that makes it a whole lot easier. And as we look at this issue of holiness over these next few weeks, as we look at discipleship, as we, as we live the Christian faith together here as a church, it's great. We've got great assets. We're not doing it alone. We do this together. We encourage one another. We're all in this together. We're running the race side by side. We've got a, a Christian community here in this church. Uh, you, we can get involved. You can get involved in so many ways. I'll ask you, are you in a life group? That's a great way of doing faith together, to get together with a small group of people, to talk about these big issues of how we struggle with holiness and how tough this is. But we can do it together. We can run the race together. Uh, this morning, after the service, if you want someone to pray for you, if something has touched you and, and you want some help or you want somebody to pray with you, uh, then you can go to our side chapel here and there will be people to pray with you. Uh, we do this together. We tackle this together. So that's great. We do it together. And secondly, we have the promise of God's Holy Spirit to help because we can't do this alone. We might want, want to make the effort to improve make the effort to do something but it's tough isn't it and we need God to help us whatever we do we can't make ourselves holy we're called to strive towards holiness but that's not our work we need God's help in all of this we can turn to him we can dedicate our lives to him 
our whole selves to him. And we can ask him to change and transform us by the power of his spirit. So we, we don't do this alone. We run the race together and we're given that power, that empowerment of God's Holy Spirit to help us. So big issues this morning. These are, these are big things. Um, I found it certainly very challenging as we've gone through this. Usually I conclude like a little talk like this with a prayer. Um, and we're going to do that, but a prayer in a different sort of way. Because we're going to use the words of a hymn, our next hymn. It's one you'll know, but maybe the words will strike you afresh as we go through this today. Because it's a great prayer as a hymn to dedicate or maybe rededicate ourselves to God. The hymn is Take My Life. I'll just read a couple of the verses and then we'll sing it together. And you might like to use this as your prayer of response. Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands, let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet, let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my silver and my gold, Not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. And the hardest, take my will and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. So we're going to stand and sing this hymn together. You might like to use it as your prayer response. Let's stand.